Hey fam, so before the episode starts, I just wanted to make two little announcements. The first one is we have a brand new home. We are hosting our podcast on a new platform now because it's going to give us um, that space to grow and expand and really spread our wings. Skincare Anarchy has been growing exponentially in the last few months and with all of the media coverage, with all the, the new interest that has been shown in our podcast, we have made the decision to now move on over from Spotify podcasters onto another platform. And the reason for that is because this will allow us to entertain more sponsorships, entertain more ad partners, and really kind of let our podcast you know, do what it does, which is grow. It's been growing since day one. I mean, when I literally look at the graph of Skincare Anarchy's growth, it's a straight peak upwards, you know, there's no dip and it's all because of you guys. So we wanted a platform that was going to be able to hold that and here we are. So you guys might hear a few new sounds like something like mid-roll ads, you know, rather than pre-roll, which you're used to. Um, So just stay tuned for little changes here and there, but nothing crazy. Also, I wanted to announce that next week we will be releasing all 10 winners for our Science of Skin Awards. These awards are, in my opinion, and I think in the opinion of many, you know, compared to the response that we got last year, the most coveted science awards in the skincare industry. These awards are beyond just, you know, is a product feeling good on your skin or does it make you feel dewy? No, it's about a brand. They are awarded, 10 brands are awarded this seal every year. And the reason for that is for you guys to be able to see the Science of Skin seal on their pages and know that there is something here for you. There's something here for everybody. That's what these awards represent. And they are backed by full blown science from every angle. I'm talking clinical, you know, theoretical, everything. So you can rely on these suggestions. You can rely on the brands that we put out every year for these awards. And we've already actually seen two of the brands come out and announce their awards. And that was Novos, which is the leader in longevity science right now. And the second one was Editrix, which is the leader in microbiome topical products because they have amazing technology that's been crafted over 20, it's been 20 years in the making. So I'm just, you know, I'm really excited about this because once you see year after year, how we are awarding the right brands, you're going to find yourself in a place that makes it a lot easier to be a consumer. It makes it a lot easier to pick products for what you need. Go and just find a brand at your favorite retailer and say, I know this brand. I can trust them. All their products have been, you know, really thought through. So that's our goal with Science of Skin. And I can't wait for you guys to see the winners next week. That's it for now, guys. Enjoy the episode and I'll see you next time. Hi guys, welcome back to Skincare Anarchy. This is Ekta and I am so excited for our guest because I do not get to interview enough um, entrepreneurs and leaders in the space of retail and really kind of curation, if you could say. So I'm very much excited to introduce you guys to the founder of The Beauty Doctrine, Nadia Benchakrun. I'm so excited to introduce you guys. Welcome to the show, Nadia. I'm such a huge fan of Beauty Doctrine, so I'm really excited to learn about it. Thank you so much. And I'm a huge fan of yours as well. Super happy to be here. And uh, thanks for having me. 
Oh, it's 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 a real honor and pleasure. Like I said, you know, I uh, really don't get to learn much about retail, and you know, just what it, when it comes down to the curation of brands and putting them in one place for people, I think that's so important, especially right now in the industry. Um, you know, we recently had our top picks launch, so I can tell you for a fact, like it was a battle, you know, <laughs> like getting yeah. through those. So I can't imagine how hard it must be for your end. But um, to get started, I would love for you to tell us about yourself, your journey in beauty and the whole industry and really what led to the creation of the Beauty Doctrine. Yeah, absolutely. Well, my journey is a long one and um, it, it has a couple different lanes. So a huge impact on what really shapes up my view on uh, beauty and skincare specifically is my background uh, coming from Morocco and growing up around women who had absolutely amazing skin, a really different approach to, you know, the approach that I've seen here in the U.S. being a beauty professional. So I've been, um, you know, in the beauty industry now for 27 years, uh, started nice. off at the counter. Um, I was a makeup artist. I was, um, I worked for a bunch of different brands from Bobby Rott to Mercier to Revive to Dr. Pericona, you know, so went from makeup to skincare to fragrance to management. And then I uh, transferred onto the brand side. So I got to work in corporate offices and really started seeing kind of what the process is of um, launching a product. Uh, and so <clears throat> working with the lab, working with the marketing department and so on and so forth. And then I got into education and traveling. And so um, one of my last roles in the corporate world was uh, global head of global education and uh, VP of sales. So it was basically two roles um, in one. Um, and then when the pandemic hit, uh, I decided to take the plunge into entrepreneurship, uh, which I've yeah. been wanting to do for a very long time. Yeah. Um, and so with that, just, you know, founded the Beauty Doctrine because I felt like there was something missing as, as big as the beauty industry is and the choices are, um, there needs to be an advocate for consumers. Um, just having seen what the process is like in the kind of the creation of a product from the lab to the retail uh, shelf. Um, and a lot of it is really focused on the product itself, on the trend, um, but not so much on the consumer themselves. And so I, I try to kind of leverage all of my experience, kind of interfacing with thousands of consumers over the years uh, to kind of bring that knowledge and really help them one-on-one. -on -one. So the Beauty Doctrine is basically a platform where I curate the best of the best, um, kind of focused on health of the skin rather than um, luxury or, um, of course, the sensorial experience. So I try to, to find products that are, you know, of course, efficacious, but compatible with skin, which not yeah. a lot of brands look at right now. So I feel like the industry is really divided. Um, so you have the the medical grade, you have the natural, you have the clean and, and oh really it's really not regulated. And so I'm trying yeah. to be that voice for the consumer um, and basically just present them with the products that are going to be, you know, working for their skin long term rather than just um, kind of that immediate gratification that a lot of us are after these days. 
Absolutely. No, I, I love that. And I applaud you for it because we need more of that in this industry. Like you said, like, you know, I, every day I, I come across brands and I realize that, you know, it's not that founders have um, bad ideas. It's more of how many times has this idea been done before? You know, like I, I'm not going to lie to you, Nadia. I had a very sad moment the other day because there are these tools I really enjoy um, that are made by one of my favorite estheticians and she's got her own line and I love them, love them so much. But then I just saw them somewhere else in like a different color. And I was like, oh, no. You know, and it just made me, I don't know, there was a part of me that just kind of like broke inside deep down and I was like, oh no, stop (laughs) copying each other, you know, so it's like we have this like, I think, you know, culture right now in the beauty industry of a lot of redundancies and I love that you had brought up like all these different like categories, right, like clinical grade, medical grade, what's the difference, then there's clean beauty, green beauty, natural, natural beauty, organic beauty, it's like, oh my gosh, like stop it, you know, and um, I love that you are still focused on the science, that's what to me is literally the determining factor i mean at the end of the day and i and i try my best to stick to this in my own life like even outside of beauty right it's like what do you do when you go to a store you buy something what are you really buying it for you know whether that's food whether that's beauty products whatever it doesn't yeah we buy organic things yeah we buy things that are like you know no pesticides but what are why do we do that health right so it all comes down to health and so i really enjoy that you have kind of um you know embodied that in the dna of your brand you know and what you guys stand for um now my question obviously you know um my first big question is really how do you vet the brands that you represent i mean what is that process like for you guys yeah well yeah it's it's a pretty lengthy process um and just um one thing that i have that's kind of unique to the process is uh, the fact that I'm extremely sensitive. I'm as sensitive as they come. <laughs> and so I'm the guinea pig really for, for these products, but I'll, I'll, um, I'll kind of go through how we, uh, we curate these uh, products. So first of all, um, the products have to kind of be free of all of the known toxins. Um, so they're, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with Credo, for example. So it's like Credo safe. So all of the, it, you know, they don't have any of the products or ingredients that are on the dirty list. That, that's number one. Um, but that's not enough. Um, the reason being is that a lot of natural products now, um, you know, tend to have a lot of essential oils, for example. So essential oils are not compatible with, um, you know, human skin for long-term use. So it's something that we look at. So we start off with brands that are fairly, you know, uh, they're reputable, <laughs> let's say. Yeah. Uh, so we, you know, on uh, the top retailer shelves. So we, that's the first phase, right? So we um, narrow down that list. We start looking at inky lists, um, uh, you know, kind of cross off any ingredients that tend to, you know, like I said, could have any potential for irritation. That's the first thing, really. Um, fragrance is a huge one. So that's a huge no-no. We uh, eliminate uh, any product from our list that has any type of fragrance. Um, and then we try to have uh, products in different 
price categories because we really want to service the consumer and bring them uh, products that they can afford to replenish. So we don't go for products that are like $250, $500, so on and so forth. So we want it to be attainable, but yet quality. And then the last phase really is for us to test the products on our skin. Um, so I do a lot of that. My team does that. So I would just use a product, let's say, for a full week, two weeks to really get to see, um, you know, what it does. Um, yeah. And then, of course, it, it would make it to our assortment. You know, we would reach out to the brand at that point and, and try to get that on, on the beauty doctrine. So it's really like a curation slash like, like, you know, it, obviously for the retail, but also in terms of efficacy of the products and, you know, th- that kind of stuff as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Efficacy is, you know, paramount. At the end of the day, we want a product that's going to work. Uh, but, you know, what differentiates us from everybody else? So let's say you have a medical brand, right? So they're looking yeah. strictly at the science. The science is very important. You know, I, I come with the background of working for Dr. Pericon, for example. I worked for you know, various, you know, big brands that strictly focus on the science, but I just feel like it's not enough. So one, what I'm trying to do is really marry the different categories. And so science is, you know, a basic, uh, you know, pillar at the view doctrine. It's yeah. got to be there. The efficacy is going to be there. But the issue is a lot of times when we're sh- narrowly focused on efficacy what we end up with is a lot of alpha hydroxy acids for example or a lot of retinoids um or you know you'll have a super effective product that's not necessarily good for your skin type because you haven't evaluated you don't really understand what your what how to kind of figure out what your skin type is so it could be efficacious but for somebody that is oily or efficacious for somebody that's really dry um and so we combine all of those together so it has to be effective it has to be clean it has to be compatible with your skin for the long term so we do that work for you because i i feel like a lot of consumers and i've interfaced with thousands and thousands of consumers over the years and i've seen their pain trying to find that right product for their skin and they're stuck in this loop right so they go to the counter or to their dermatologist and they're like okay i have this issue you know, what should I do? They get the product prescribed. And then now, you know, it works maybe for a couple of weeks and now their skin is reacting. And I've been there myself. Um, and so what I, what we try to do with Beauty Doctrine is deliver all of that. You're going to get that efficacious product, but you're going to be able to tolerate it in a month from now, two months from now, three months from now, because it doesn't have all of those irritants that are going to disturb you know, the skin's delicate microbiome or, you know, and disrupt the lipid barrier and all those types of things. That's interesting because I, you know, I know there's a lot of um, curation happening these days, you know, definitely people in the industry are realizing the value of it. And they're realizing that, no, we have to really narrow down these products, you know, like it's, it's getting to be too much, but, you know, so what is the, okay. So let me ask you, in terms of experience for the typical beauty doctrine consumer, like where does the experience begin? I mean, is it on your website? Is it like in a store? Is it a consultation? Like how do we, like if I if I approach you knowing that you're a retailer for products that have been proven to work, you know what I mean? And they're really um, a lot of things I can discover here. You know, they, you your mission obviously like vibes with what I'm thinking, right, as a consumer. But then when it comes to navigating the space of beauty doctrine, how does that work? 
Yeah, great question. Uh, so I actually do consultations one-on-one with my uh, clients. Uh, so it's more like a boutique type environment. Um, I know probably like my top 50 clients, I know, you know, their full names, I know about their life. Uh, they they book consultations with me pretty much every couple months or so. We have like a VIP insider club where they can just join and there's like a nominal, very small fee that they pay, you know, every month and then they have access to me. So let's say they, you know, when you first want to come into the view doctrine, you can you can just book one consultation, right? And then we get to chat and I look at your, um, you know, what you're using, right? Uh, and a lot of times mm-hmm. when I'm going through your skincare routine, I would find probably like five products that are doing the same thing. Um, so I, I try to kind of highlight and figure out what it is that you're doing wrong. That's not kind of optimal. That's not serving you. And then I yeah. work with you, you know, kind of work through it with you. Um, so we um, narrow it down to like the very basics and then start kind of uh, watching the progress of, of your skin and how it's responding to a given routine. So whether it's optimizing your own routine or we start very slowly integrating other products into it. Um, the other way that you can experience a beauty doctrine is really just go on the website and um, kind of just go through the, the, the product selection. Every single thing on there has been vetted to be suitable for even the most sensitive skin types. So you can literally just pick, you know, any cleanser or any moisturizer and nine times out of 10, it's going to be suitable for your skin because you know, we've narrowed it down to a very, very, very tight assortment. I love that. No, I love that. And I think that that's really, you know, for me as a consumer, I love like boutique, you know, just online retail that I can rely on because honestly, sifting through some of these really large retail brands is it's daunting. You know, and also like, um, for example, you know, right now, if you guys, for everyone listening, I want you to go to thebeautydoctrine.com and you'll see what I mean. It's like, you know, you'll see that everything is, um, it's just, a, it's a tighter, you know, selection. And that's so important to me as a consumer, because when I go onto websites, it's like, you know, every website has this algorithm in place that they're like, oh, here's some recommendations for you based on what you bought before. And it's like, I don't want what I bought before because it didn't work, which is why I'm back. You know what I mean? So it's like, or a lot of times it's just like, I don't want to see, you know what I mean? I just want a fresh start. And so I think that um, the the whole process of discovering a brand is so different on a boutique site such as yours versus something that's like a huge retailer. Because discovery, it's like, I feel like, you know, before, maybe about two or three years ago, Discovery was more like, okay, go on to like, for example, Sephora.com. Okay, I like this brand. Let me just go under that brand and see every product ever made by that brand. But it's like, I have done, I did that so many times as a consumer, right? Like I would go to uh, brand XYZ, like, oh, I loved their toners. Let me go back and like buy a couple of things, but then it didn't work out for me. So it wasn't that like, it was the fault of the retailer. It was the fault of myself for not doing more homework because I was relying on the retailer to do that homework for me. Right. So like, that's where I think you guys really differentiate yourselves because you've done the homework that the bigger retailers can't do. They don't have the bandwidth, you know what I mean, to do that. So, you know, I think that's my take home for this is that, you know, for everyone listening, if you're, you know, if you're tired of the constant, 
especially with the holidays, like you just don't know which of the products from which lines work. That's where this really helps, you know? So yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a fan of that. I, I think that approach is actually more logical than just throwing all the SKUs of every brand up on a website and saying, figure it out. Good luck, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and the industry is really trend driven. And that's not something that we focus on. I love trends when it comes to fashion. Uh, trends are amazing when it comes to color. But skincare, um, you know, we have to realize that skin is an organ. It's attached to us. It, you know, it needs to be nurtured. And it's always going to need the same old things, right? So you don't need the newest, trendiest ingredient. You need something that's going to preserve you know, the balance in your skin that's going to give you the right hydration. So you basics, you know, your emollients, um, your occlusives, your peptides, your sunscreen, all those things are never going to go away. Obviously, there'll be newer technologies that are going to be introduced into the market, you know, as, as everybody, you know, as the science kind of progresses. But, you know, the skin basic needs are never going to change. And so we realize that at the beauty doctrine and we don't focus, uh, we hardly focus on, on um, trends. Um, so, yeah. And, and the other thing that we, um, the other way that we connect with our consumers actually is through TikTok. So I kind of, you know, stumbled into the influencer marketing world um, as I was connecting with, you know, kind of building my community. And so, you know, that's something that I would actually, uh, you know, invite uh, your listeners to check out because there is so much information that I share there um, day in and day out. And very, very soon we're going to launch a YouTube channel as well. And so, Really, we're we're very education driven uh, versus just kind of putting all of these products on a website and asking people to go purchase. I mean, I love I love that. And I love that you're, you know, really kind of committed to this. I mean, we need more of that. I I am, you know, very similar to you then. You know, we're we're doing this very similar things, I think, in different ways. Um, you know, I I really believe in the idea that, you know, if you find something that's good, spread it out there you know to the world like it's not about you know keeping things coveted and like to yourself I know that was kind of the culture for many many years right like our mothers and grandmothers like had these well-kept secrets of like beauty products or things that really worked for them and you know to find those little um you know just jewels and to find those amazing products like for example celebrities that's a perfect example you know um celebrities for the longest time were not telling us what lip plumper do you use what um this do you use you know we all thought every time a celebrity looks different or their skin is flawless it's because of plastic surgery no (laughs) it was a lot of times it's because of a really great skincare line that you know we would never discover as consumers because it was either a just not accessible or you know what i mean like it just wasn't out there so i think that in the world of social media and the way that things have evolved like this is really, really interesting, you know, what you guys are doing for sure. I, I love that, you know, curation aspect a lot. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Now, okay, I'm I'm curious in terms of, you know, um, I know that you guys lean more towards things that really are universally um usable, right? Like you want things that most people can just buy and be happy with. Um so when 
it comes to skin types, right? People really are um, convinced. I, I call it brainwashing because I don't really believe in the different. I think the skin types have to be um, reevaluated. I know that there's some work being done there, but, um, you know, it's it, you can't just say I have oily skin. I have this. I have dry skin because you can't make that claim until you have a balanced skin, right? Like when your skin is yes. balanced, right? <laughs> so how, right on the head. <laughs> yeah. So, so my thing is, is that, you know, I think when you have, um, you know, places that you like yours that you've created, it's easier for consumers to find products that just work to bring their skin back to balance. And then we can talk about what kind of skin type you are, you know? So when it comes to that, how do you approach that when your customers come to you and say, I have oily skin or I have dry skin, you know, how's that for you guys? Yeah. Yeah. We just, we go back to education and I truly believe that you create your skin type and I'll elaborate. Uh, So obviously like for most of us, you know, our acid mental, you know, starts kind of um, breaking down as we age, right? So we're losing more water. And so a lot of us get progressively dry as we age. Um, But when you're talking about like oily skin, combination skin, all of that, that's been a creation of the industry just to sell more products. And so what we, the way that we navigate that is to, like you said, uh, teach our clients how to achieve balance. And so rather than just saying, you know, I have, you know, acne prone skin. What is it that um, is causing you acne? I just, in fact, recently have um, have this client that uh, she's about my age, she's in her mid forties. And she said she's been breaking out her entire life. And so my first question, you know, to her when we started our consultation is what, what do you think your skin type is? She said, you know, I'm dry, acneic, and I've always broken out. And Obviously, as you probably know, that's really not a skin type, dry and, and acneic. So acne comes from the inside, right? And so uh-huh. um, further questioning her, we, you know, I realized she probably consumes too much dairy. So I said, okay, well, why don't you just like cut off the dairy uh, and let's let's chat in a couple of weeks. She she called me probably, oh no, maybe seven to 10 days. Her skin completely cleared up. So she's had this issue with acne her entire life and not knowing what the cause is. And that's kind of the issue with the skincare industry right now is that, you know, we put you in a certain category as an industry and then we just start selling you, let's say if you're acneic, here is everything that's going to dry out your skin. Here is a drying, you know, cleanser with benzoyl peroxide, here's a drying toner with whatever other acid and so on and so forth. And then, so we create that skin type. So now that you're trying to dry out the acne, you're actually, you know, offsetting the balance of your skin. Now you're producing more oil. Now you're thinking that your skin is oily and you're trying to suppress it, you know, causing further imbalances. And so those are the types of things that I, you know, speak about all the time on my TikTok you know, in my TikTok videos, and of course, with my clients. And that, that's the approach. The approach is education. And I, I probably have about, I don't know, maybe 60, 70 blogs right now. So I write a lot of blogs. So even if the consumers don't get to speak to me in, you know, on, on video, they can go to thebeautydoctrine.com and check out a given blog about any skin condition, you know, anything they might be struggling with, whether it's rosacea, pigmentation, you know, um, wrinkles, and so on and so forth. So there's a lot of education education there for them and to kind of help them through their skincare journeys. But 
in in all honesty, skincare is extremely simplistic. It's just made to be complex for the sake of selling more products. So we're bringing everything back to basics and really kind of helping consumers understand, you know, what those basics are and how to really care for their skin the right way for the, for the long term, you know, how to maintain that healthy skin, you know, day in and day out. I love that. No, I really love that. And I'm I'm a huge believer in what you're saying. I I think that, you know, it's interesting that lady that came to you and said, you know, I've had uh I have dry acneic skin. I know. And that's exactly it's like you read my mind. That's exactly what I was thinking of. I was like, there's people out there that are like, Well, I have dry skin. Okay. Well, do you have acne? Yeah, I have really bad acne, actually. That's my big my biggest problem. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, you know, it's 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 a huge, huge um conversation that needs to be had i think um more often you know in in that realm whether that's dermatologists or anybody you know we need to be talking about that more because it, you know it's very hard for us to do self-diagnosis and i think that's what a lot of people um these days rely on when it comes to skin health is self-diagnosis or uh diagnosis by their favorite you know person on social media or wherever they find their experts you know and so in that kind of culture I think it's it's really important to have like, you know, somewhere that you can like go and feel like what I buy here is going to be something that if it doesn't work for me, it's probably the closest I could have come to it work to finding a product that would have fit that category that I was looking for. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's that in itself is actually very like it's very important for the whole process of basically for me the end goal which is basically everyone having a skin routine that they like and they can stick to right like that's the goal is to have some have people stick to things and stick to a routine and you know i i've noticed that one of the biggest challenges for consumers is that you know there's 15 brands that are like guys had initially making the same thing so they're like well where do i go and then they realize okay well you know, this product doesn't work for me. No, it's because you're trying a product by a brand that might not be creating it the right way for you. You know, whether that's hyaluronic acid, whether that's a night cream, whether it's a retinol, you know, it's just, it's not a matter of, you know, this product doesn't work for me or this ingredient doesn't work for me, right? It's more of like, well, that's where brand discovery comes in. I need to go to the right people to introduce me to the right brands. And so I think that's a huge uh, service that you guys are doing for a lot of consumers because they don't know where to start. Thank you. Thank you. And one thing that I found, uh, you know, just from uh, interfacing with consumers over the years is they get to a point where their skin is sensitized, right? And so yeah. because of you, the overuse of all these actives that are being pushed onto consumers all the time, it's all about, you know, glowing skin, right? So let's give you that instant gratification. Let's, you know, here's the newest peel. Here's the newest mask. Here's, you know, and so people are really kind of doing their own concoctions and they're going after that, like instant gratification. So what, what ends up happening is that they're, now their skin is sensitized and now it's reactive. And so they don't realize that it's the skin, not the product. Uh, so they show up, I, I, you know, I've seen this hundreds of times. They'll buy a new moisturizer, let's say, and, you know, they'll use it for day or two and they're like oh it burns it's not suitable for my skin they go return it and get another moisturizer but they don't necessarily realize that it's maybe the skin that has micro tears because they've been you know using a, a physical scrub or again they've been using like a mix of ingredients that they're not supposed to be using and so until yeah. you kind of scale back a little bit and just 
start nurturing the skin, let it heal a bit, then you can reintroduce, you know, the product and you'll have a completely different experience with it. Uh, and so that's kind of kind of the mindset that we don't quite have, you know, because, and I think too, because of all the marketing, you know, uh, messages that we keep getting is, you know, in, um, in way of here is this one product and it's going to fix it all for you, right? It's the magic yeah. product. And so consumers are after that, you know, they, they want, they, they hear the uh, marketing message and they go pick up the product and they put it on and then they're disappointed and, and the cycle continues. And so that's something that we really are passionate about kind of just basically, you know, stopping that cycle a little bit, halting it <laughs> and, yeah, um, and kind of it for a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's, that's really, I love that. I love that you brought that up. And I think that that's very, very true and um, actually really important because to address, because, you know, you don't know what product is going to cause sensitization for you. I've seen people who get sensitized from a cleansing oil. You know what I mean? Like I've seen people who literally have done the bare minimum and it's just because they used a product that had one ingredient you know what I mean? That just did not sit well. And it wasn't because they're a dry skin type or an oily skin type or whatever. No, it was because their skin at that time was not ready. And it doesn't have to be inactive. It can be anything. Because the way it is, is like, people don't understand the science. And that's why I always harp on science, honestly, uh, Nadia, because I think like when you start to see your skin as like this like landscape like think of like virtual reality I was telling people this because I'm like <laughs> you guys have really got to start putting that like ultra you know high definition super strength microscope on your own skin and have that mental image of it you know as like this landscape like as if you're walking through like a, a field right I mean you're gonna see little things popping up you know you'll see like dandelions right in a field well imagine your skin it has these little things that pop up and what they're they're called antigens so what happens is when your skin is injured or it's um hurting in some way it's not balanced these antigens will come out through a leaky skin barrier and they will sit on top of your skin so you can have reactions to things that might not even be actives. Like, for example, you don't have to have an AHA to react with that antigen or react with that one specific molecule. It could be something that you would consider soothing normally. You know what I mean? But it's because your skin is aggravated. It's because you um, tampered that skin barrier. That's why you're getting to that place of just feeling like you can't find your products because everything makes you react. That's called rebalancing your skin. And that's where. I really find what you're doing here, Nadia, to be so beneficial because it's like, once again, instead of going on to XYZ.com and finding all the SKUs of a line, no, go to a boutique place that has tested the products, talk to Nadia and be like, Nadia, my skin is like freaking out. You know what I mean? Give me the most calming thing you have, like literally. So that's where that's where I think that, you know, um, there's so much value in, in creating this space, you know, that you have. And I really, really love what you guys are doing because, you know, I, like I said, there just cannot be enough curation for in this industry. There just can't be enough. I mean, it's so saturated. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So. And you're so, so right uh, with the point that, um, you know, it's not just the upper hydroxy. Uh, and this is what I try to highlight with the natural and clean beauty movement. That is not enough either. You can put an oil on your skin and you get a massive reaction because 
lot of a lot of brands now, uh, cleaner brands are substituting, you know, uh, fragrance with essential oils, and that's worse than alpha hydroxy acids. And then with the pandemic, when you know everybody is trying to focus a lot more on wellness and and doing their DIY masks, like cringe every time I hear the word DIY. Oh my God! Please don't <laughs> tell me about DIY masks. You see all those lemon. Oh my goodness. And the baking soda and the vinegar and all these things going on the skin. Oh. We're not realizing that we don't have a digestive system on the skin. <laughs> your body can, can process yeah. lemon. It's amazing for you. But please don't put lemon on your skin. Or even Also, like- you have no way of figuring out how much of what you're putting on. Like, <laughs> I, I'm just not even, we're not going down that road. No, we're yeah. going to be on here for we like five a hours. whole different podcast yeah. for that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I hear you though. I hear you and I'm with you. I am with you there. I have seen the DIY masks. And let me tell you, as somebody who my favorite skincare, I've said this so many times, my favorite skincare category is masks. Yes, it is. I love them. I love all masks except DIY masks. I've never done a DIY masks. Like since I was like 15, I haven't done one and I will never do one because it's so risky. But that's a whole different topic, like I said. But in general, you know, you're right. You're so right. And it's like, you know, you you made a really great example, Nadia, because you uh talking about oils, essential oils. Yeah. Like people, oils are not all made the same. You know what I mean? Like the the process of distilling an oil, the process of purifying it, extracting it, that is all stuff that goes into what we consider to be, whether it's clean beauty, organic beauty, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, these are all things that matter when you define what kind of brand you are. You know what I mean? So like, it's very important for us to have, like, until the FDA wants to take charge, I'm honestly a huge believer that we need like micro like policing of this industry and the products um, by people who understand it, like yourself, you know, even myself, anyone out there who likes to curate products, you know, because that's how we are going to figure out what's working, what's not. And so without me beating a dead horse, you know, I just want to say, like, I really think that this is the time in the industry overall i think this is the time to shop in a more curated way and shop in a more like you know um what's the what's that word uh you know you're you're you mean to do something when you you know go out and mean to do something like intentional yes shop with intention yes exactly shop with intention shop with knowledge and wisdom and understanding and and to do that you've got you know, the beauty doctrine and these amazing like outlets to help you along that journey. So I'm a huge fan, Nadia. I think what you guys are doing are, is beautiful. I love the website. I love the options you guys have. Um, it's it's really, really something for everybody. So everyone listening, if you have not already, I want you to go to thebeautydoctrine.com and check out the whole, you know, selection that they offer and, you know, buy a couple of products do a consultation, you know, have fun, <laughs> explore. So uh, Nadia, thank you so much. This was so lovely chatting with you and learning from you. Thank you so much for having me. This was lovely. Yes, likewise. And for everyone listening, I uh, really, really need you guys' help. Please go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts and leave us a rating um, uh, and also a written review on Apple Podcasts when you get a chance. That helps us a lot. It's really, really helpful. The, it's so, Nadia, I always tell people, you know, the podcast world is like the magazine world, except a lot more complicated when it comes to, you know, getting the word out. So it's, um, I would really appreciate it if everybody went on there and left us some ratings and 
yeah, I'll be back next time with another episode. Thank you so much. Thank you.